Alright, this is episode 8 of the This That podcast. This week I've got a very handsome man on the podcast. <laughs> Somewhat even more handsome than myself, which is it's hard to come by. Oh no. I, I do stand next to this man sometimes and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm not, I'm not quite there. So uh, welcome to the, the podcast, Harry Taggart, how you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm I'm flustered now. That was quite the intro you gave me. I try to do um, a different intro for everyone. I'm still trying to find my feet with how to introduce people. I want to end up, you know, have you ever seen the guy that introduces the wrestlers and the UFC fighters, and he does the big yeah, long introduction? Yeah. I want to be like Bruce. Are you got to give us intro music. Uh, mate, I need to program fucking intro music. Oh, mate, maybe that's. that's actually, it. I'm gonna write that down. That's a good idea. Um, I'll ask <laughs> guests what their intro music wants to be. And then oh, they can oh, they can come on to their own intro music. Sick, mate. You are <laughs> you are improving the podcast one suggestion at a time, mate. Thank you, thank you. How are we doing? I've heard it's um fucking freezing over in Scotland just now. That's fucking minus five today, mate. <laughs> and you know what? This has been this has been one of the warmer mornings. Yesterday it was minus ten in the morning. Oh, mate, that's that's unheard that's of for crazy. the UK. Like, when Mate, the past I know. 10 years, like, we've got maybe minus one, minus two is the max, but minus 10, where the fuck is that coming from? It's wild. And what is it like in Australia just now? Well, mate, it was kind of miserable the last few days, but right now it's currently 7pm and it's like 17 degrees, it's going to be 19 tomorrow, 21 the day after, 23 the day after that, 24 the day after that, mate. So, so what's, what's your idea of miserable now that you live in Australia? Miserable was like mm, thirteen degrees and like raining. I was like, ah, oh, I'm not I'm not chuffed with this weather at all. My fucking heart bleeds for you, mate. <laughs> mate, that's the thing is like I'm living with these people in Melbourne, obviously all Aussie, and they're all like, oh, this weather yeah. shit and that. And then I, I phoned my dad yesterday. And I was like, how's it going? And he's like, it's actually minus ten. And I was like, ah, okay, my problems aren't <laughs> as, my problems aren't as bad oh, as your problems. Not so bad. I've not, yeah. I've not got it as bad as I thought it was. Awesome, <laughs> right. Um, I've started off the podcast differently and different ones, I'm sure. To a few. So yes, I'm going to be a bit loose with this format. So I'm going to start with a bit of an introspective question for you. Um, okay. Obviously, you're in a profession just now. But before that, uh, at some point, we were all kids. So when you were a child, yeah. what did you want to be when you grew up? Mate, honestly, not a scooby. So <laughs> I, I, can, I, I think I went I think I went from like year to year changing my mind. Mm. I always had a different pure new idea. Like at one point I said I was in like third year and I was like, I want to work with microbots and <laughs> make microbots shit. <laughs> I don't even know what they do now, mate, and I was still <laughs> saying that when I was like fifteen. What the fuck's a microbot? <laughs> I think I watched a film but it was like it was all these little teeny like tiny robots that like you control them always one and they make big structures together because because uh, like they all work together but they're that small it comes across like bigger things or like Iron Man suit that's uh, made of microbots mate okay. so I'm watching all these films oh, that's cool as fuck I want to do that and then I realised I don't think I quite have the the brains for that. <laughs> did, you, did, did you make any steps towards it? Did you have like an Iron Man suit in your, your garage at home <laughs> at 15 years old? Mate, I just watched Marvel. 
I watched Marvel and I just I took notes. I was like, I could do that. <laughs> Did you actually take notes? You got a pen and paper out while you're watching Iron Man. I had my head. I was like, that can't be that hard. Like, <laughs> someone thought of this. It can't be that hard. But I, I just say that to teachers and stuff in school. But I'm going to build microbots. And what did they say? Like, what? what kind of reactions do you get for your teachers? I kind of dismiss them if I go on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that cunt's got a fucking loose dream, mate. Let him go wild with it. So I just, I just had in my head and I thought I was alright at school, so I need to go to uni. And that was just my kind of mindset that I need to go to uni. And then when Backtrack before this. Sorry, sorry, right, sorry. So, Microbots, anything else, let's go back even further. So when you're like... Even further? Yeah, a, or like, even if it wasn't a job, what was like the thing that you, well, do you aspired know what? to I, most? When I was younger, I did like the idea of like the army or something, or some kind of like military, but then that, that was only when I was proper young, like still in primary school. Mm. That's just because you're a wee guy, you get out of school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was no actual... Like thing towards it, it was just apart from it sounded cool when you're when you're young. Yeah. Was there any influence in your family? Anyone in your family and the armed services? Uh, well, not necessarily on a specific career. They just get influenced to go to uni mm. because at this point, like my mum, my dad, and that, my brother and them had been to uni. So it's like, oh, if you can do it, you should go. And that was always like once I went into high school. That was always kind of put into the back of your head, like, I need to go to uni for something. Mm. I think that's fed to pretty much all of us as well. Like, that's something yeah. that was fed to me, pretty much everyone I know as well. It's just, like, the common path. And it's not even just the parents. It's everyone in the uh, Yeah, school. it's cool, all. Yeah. It's a weird one because when I look back, I really heavily enjoyed uni, but I wish I'd done something like a modern apprenticeship and gained a really relevant yeah. skill as well as an education around it. Um, yeah, it's kind of fried that they they push it so much, but I guess it's a money making thing. As much as we may try, I mean, to I think I would have liked the idea of uni. Like, see the lifestyle, like they go out and stuff, and they kind of living like a student. I think I would, I would have liked that part. You would have loved it, mate. Uni was a complete fuck around for four years. Uni was just a break from being an adult for four years. Is what it was. It, yeah, <laughs> actually, that's a good way to put it. I had yeah. more, I had more merit in a weird way because you've got four years of not really doing anything, it gives you a lot of time to sit and think, oh, like, what do I actually want to do? So instead of going into a profession or a trade straight after yeah. high school, um, you take a bit longer and you trial a bunch of different things. So it, it was good in that respect. It's a weird one, but it was good in that respect. But, uh, I think it's, it's so easy to make the wrong choice when you do go straight for a profession. And then that's you. Like, as soon as you get that trade, if it's, like, some kind of engineering thing, mm. that's you, kind of pigeonholed do you know what I mean yeah, you make that you make that choice you're 16, 17 and something's too late to go back but you've already made the choice so you don't even know if you want to really do it who knows I, like, I, for me personally I didn't know at 17 years old what I knew the only thing <clears> I knew from a very <throat> young age is that I wanted to make a fucking shit ton of money that was that's something yeah. that's been a constant for as long as I can remember is I knew that I wanted to make money uh, but for as long as I know that you've always been like that yeah. Boy, if you want to make money and want to travel about, I'm a money hungry narcissistic cunt that likes traveling about the place. So, <laughs> I'm an awful person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a horrible human being, mate. For anyone listening, um, don't interact with me. Leave don't even sweet. look at me. Avoid me if possible.
hates Christmas at all. No, don't listen to him, kids. Don't listen to him, kids. I, I love Christmas, mate. I love Christmas. I'm just like, I feel as if I'm coming more like my dad, though. Like, I don't know about your dad, but my dad, he was always like, oh, I'm not arsed about Christmas at all. And now I'm kind of getting to that stage where I feel as if you are very much the opposite. You're an excitable person. I can imagine you getting excited. I am, I get buzzing. Yeah, I knew it. You get Mariah Carey <coughs> blasting in the car, don't you? Always. <laughs> First thing in the morning. The Christmas is always a bit funny for me because, like, the last kind of few years, it's either been exciting because I'm home for Christmas or it's been exciting because I've been on deployment, I'm coming back in December time. Mm. So I associate Christmas time with just being home. Got you. It's that one bit you know of I mean? respite from work and that one bit of yeah. seeing all your family and friends. Yeah, so it's either a double whammy of getting home and it's Christmas or like this year, I've been pretty much in Britain the whole year. So it's just been exciting just being around for Christmas and not missing half of it. How are you finding it being back home after being on deployment for so long? Um, It's good, mate. It's good kind of respite. Like, it's still... Still a bit annoyed because I'm still working in Portsmouth and I'm in obviously Glasgow. So for any any Aussies that are listening, that's like a seven and a half hour car journey. So it's it's good still being local, but I've still got to twice a week do that do that drive. Yeah, it's a fucking long drive. Which is, what do you do for the drive? Yeah, do you get tunes on or you get any podcasts on? Ah, uh, change it. I, I was having tunes and then I'd be driving and I'd just hear the with a hard shoulder. I'd wake up, <laughs> fuck, I was asleep. I was asleep. Is that, <laughs> yeah, actually, is that actually happened to you before? More than once, but yeah. Fuck, okay. It's when if I leave on a Thursday, yeah, if I leave on a Thursday at like four o'clock in the evening and I'm driving until like midnight, that's where I can get a bit sleepy. Yeah, you need to get some energy drinks. Don't you? A few keys on the wheel, maybe. Yeah, that or uh, I have weather. Well, I have weather originals sometimes because I can like suck them and they keep me going. <laughs> and one time, Are we I was like, sucking to on it too hard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I had it in my mouth for too long, and I done a, I done quite the quite the mighty suck. It just flew to the back of my throat. <laughs> so I was driving. I was like. <laughs> I'm about to die at the wheel on weather original. <laughs> mate, that's probably <laughs> the worst way to go, mate. That is the worst way to go. Mate, that is the worst. Death via weather's original. What a weak man. Ah, it's terrible, right. mate. For, for being able to bench 115 for reps, mate, uh, weather's original taking you out is embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. God, I know. I'm a sad man. But, anyways... toffee. Going back to this before we got onto this tangent, you were just about Sorry. to say, just before, nah, don't apologise, I brought you on this tangent, we're in this journey together, <laughs> my friend. Uh, we were talking about how, you were about to say something about how just before maybe fifth or sixth year, and you were talking about university and stuff, and what you were thinking at that point. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so, this is what I'm still kind of in the mindset, I'm, I'm going to some, some uni to do some course, I don't know what yet. And do you remember in fifth year when they have those like uni conventions and all the different unis go and set up their stalls and the colleges go and that and they're all trying to like rope you into their one? Yeah, yeah, they're trying you to sell you about? hot uni students, like 
hot 21 yeah, year old yeah. girls so and you're in like, the late 18 year old I've come to Glasgow yeah so, so it's clickbait so it was one of them the, um, one of them that I went to and I was walking about just fucking not, not an idea what I was wanting to do and there was a Navy standing there and that's I got chatting to the guy and he was like he asked me about my qualifications like my hires and stuff he said what I was interested in I said like engineering and he said well why don't you go for this as a weapons engineer I was like huh sounds alright and then uh, that was really it basically after that night I got home and I applied for it and it was a bit of a long wait it was kind of like a 12 month waiting period but yeah it was just joined just after I turned 18 that's pretty wild so just that, that one so you didn't have any inkling of that of wanting to join the Navy beforehand that it was just that one conversation that, that changed you that much yeah the whole way through high school I didn't think about it it was just in primary school I wanted to do some kind of military and then that conversation with that guy because I was like I don't know I wanted to get paid as well but I didn't want to be a student and be skinned like no offence to anyone as a student but if you know what it's like you try to do uni and work part time and stuff Aye. So I wanted to get an actual job, but I just wanted to do something a bit different that I could travel and that, and do something out of the ordinary, and that just seemed a bit ideal. So that's mad. Have you ever thought about how pivotal that one conversation's been in? So you've been in the Navy oh, mate. four years now? Uh, just over four years. So that's, that's that one yeah, conversation that's affected four years of your life? Yeah, it's mad. If I, if I didn't go to that convention, I definitely would not have signed up because I would have had no inclination or no intention to. I mean, I had no reason to. Mm. You know, it's one of those things, you know it's always there, but unless someone's kind of thrown it in your face, you don't notice it. Yeah, and is it? did it click for you at that point? Because for you to make that decision to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to apply for this and join the Navy, there must have been some, something in you where it said, oh yeah, that actually aligns with my goals and my values and my personality. Well, yeah, just when he was speaking about it, and he was like, obviously, you do get your training and stuff, and I liked the idea that there was fitness involved. Um, kind of outdoorsy things. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't just like, you know, kind of working in an office. I said that I want to travel, and he's like, oh, yeah, obviously, you're going to travel, like, when you're on ship and stuff. I was like, this is kind of ticking every box that I wanted to do. I just thought I'd have to go to uni for four years first before I could get a job when I'm traveling. Mm. But then it was just kind of met me in the middle. So when I got home, and my mum and dad were like, all right, so what uni are you going to? I was like, fuck, I'm joining the Navy. <laughs> what, what was your mum and dad's reaction at that point? Uh, my dad was like, aye, good on you, mum. I was like, you fucking what? You're the Navy. <laughs> I was like, well, Pauline, I mean, I'm joining the Navy. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I can imagine your mum saying that to you as well, just being utterly awestruck. But you're pretty headstrong yeah, she's, as an she's in- individual. Like, if you say you're going to do something, I believe that you'll do it. Thank you, mate. I mean, I think that's... I like to take a drive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, do you think that... I'm just trying to piece this together based on the fact that you made a split decision being like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. So, you had your idea before, or you had an idea beforehand that you wanted to travel and that you liked the physical aspect of it as well as the mental challenge. And that was just one thing that ticked all those boxes for you. Literally, yeah. Just something that it was good money. I was getting to incorporate like fitness into my lifestyle still, like with my work life without it being like a PT or something. Mm. Um, 
you know what I mean? It's, it's just everything that I was thinking that I was going to have to wait this gap to get a degree for us to do, it was just working out for me. And I was so, like, why wait? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so now that you've went through those four years, is there anything that you would change about it? Would you do something different or would you go through that experience with the Navy again? Um, I mean, I've had a good career so far and it's been interesting. So I feel like sometimes there's one of the other fields of engineering I kind of would have liked to do. Mm. But again, it's swings and roundabouts because I'm a weapons engineer, but there's also a marine engineer. Yeah. Which I can find yeah. sometimes the marine engineering side is a bit more hands-on, a bit more interesting. But when like they're on board at sea, they get worked like a fucking dog. Really? They're just always fixing I mean? like, they things? Are, in, not even that. Like, they're always in watches. Mm. So... They could be in like six on, six off watches for weeks, or they could be on 12 on, 12 off. Whereas I'm not in watches, I'm just always like there on standby. Do you know what I mean? I run my own day. This means I can get like woken up at any time, but they've got to stay put sometimes in a, one of the, it's called the ship's control centre. Mm. So they may have to watch keep there, they can't leave there for six hours. Then they go off for six hours to work, maybe back on for another six hours to sit in that control centre then I'll get to sleep for six hours so it's just fucking constant so like, we don't get a break yeah yeah so uh, to be honest no I don't think I would change it I'm, I'm happy with the way that I've went awesome mate I'm glad to hear it. not many people can say that I, I'm a strong believer that um, you shouldn't have any regrets because such as life c'est la vie is what it is yeah um, it's just a whole different life do you know what I mean like people that you meet even like the mentality like, I'll find myself talking, like, completely different when I'm down there. Like, not accent-wise. Don't worry, I still keep the, the strong jock accent. <laughs> You've got a, uh, a pure English accent. English Harry comes out when he's down <laughs> Hello, boys. <laughs> How are you again. doing, fellas? <laughs> Just, like, see, like, your language and, like, words that you use. Mm. <clears throat> There's like, a whole different kind of Navy speak. Tell me more There's things that I'll say that I wouldn't say up here. Expand what on that, that like the so and the way that they speak are they more formal are they more respectful are they more not at all self they're all scumbags mate really I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, they're, they're just funny like it's like do you, do you want to kind of like the way to explain it you're like a like an overpaid student sometimes really? it's the only job I know that you can rock up fucking pissed at your head in the morning and as long as you as long as you're not on duty and you can still do your job they don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, they always say, if you can't do your job pissed, you can't do it at all. <laughs> that's a saying from some of the Navy seniors. Yes, that's a saying of the Royal Navy. Mate, that's a... That's, that's such <clears throat> a unique insight because I picture the Navy and Army and I think super strict. They catch you drinking when you're not supposed to and they'll get you out. But nah. is it more of like a kind of lads culture within that? Yes, 100%. It's like a big boys club. I mean, I think the army's more strict. Like the army's more strict with seniority, so mm. you wouldn't find people with different ranks going for a night out together in the army. They're very much rank basis. Do we not like to they don't like to mingle with subordinates? Whereas in the navy, like everyone's gonna get on regardless of like rank or rate. Awesome. I mean, I think that's probably the way to do it. Where you don't think about it too much, but I guess the army and the structure that maybe demands more respect so one of my questions was yeah. going to be do you see 
direct combat at any point, have you? Um, no, in fact, trying to get what, what you can say. Doing <laughs> some Navy man's listening, I get my boss booted. Um, <laughs> but as not, much not, as you're allowed to combat, reveal. You've had some kind of like stressful situations where there's kind of ships from different countries coming closer than they should do. Mm. And they're coming across as aggressive and they're like sending like messages over to you and that, basically telling you to fuck off or something worse can escalate. Mm. And what was that? What's the tension like on the boat at that point? What's that sensation? It could be it could be tense, like you could be a uh, little pipe, maybe like hands to action stations and then you'll get put in defence watches. So defence watches is like a higher state of readiness where there's more people on the ship up at once. So it's basically to make sure at any time throughout the day or night, there's going to be the same amount of people on the ship awake and doing their job mm. when you're in defence watches. Okay. And that'll be if you're like close to like a kind of hostile zone or if they expect something's going wrong or if you're like hunting for a submarine, they'll need, when you need to, the ship's company to be at a more ready state. Okay. So <laughs> what exactly is it that you're doing? What are they paying you to do? So obviously you're a weapons engineer, but what's the Navy, as much as you are allowed to reveal and is not confidential, what are you doing kicking about on the boats? Are you searching for things? Are you doing merchant stuff? What's the, what's the script? Getting pissed and being handsome. <laughs> no. I mean, you could do no, that okay, anywhere, no, to be fair. <laughs> it changes, mate. So you get to use like a two or three year draft and your draft will change like shorter than that as well. Mm. So like, nah, no matter when I first finish, so you go through your phase two and that's like, like a specialisation training to be like whatever branch you went to. So for me, it was engineer. Uh, after that, I was on the Queen Elizabeth the aircraft carrier. So uh, you had to off and stuff? Yeah, so that was part of the jet trials for the F-35s to make sure that they can go operational. So they started the trials in 2018 and then that was the first half. The second half was 2019. That was, that's when I was on the QE. Mm. So during that, you've got your own individual role, which for me was, that's when I was still learning weapon engineering. So I was just getting bounced about different sections of the weapon engineering department to learn mm. but the overall kind of shit was doing the, the main priority was doing like the F-35 trials and get them to take off from different angles and get them to land different ways and do different things in the air okay they are mad to see like when they first when I first seen them taking off you think it was going to fall over the side because it looks like it's going that slow yeah and then it goes up the ramp and it keeps going I was like what the fuck's going on here this doesn't seem right <laughs> Mate, that's wild. Like, I see that a Top Gun with the, the jets taking off the boats and that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they ones as well. Obviously, when you see Top Gun, they, like, they fly kind of at an angle and they land on the flight deck. Yeah. But these ones, they go vertical and they kind of lower down. What? So they've got, they're like fucking helicopters. They can just lower down vertically. Yeah, yeah, basically. Mate. They've got, like, thrusters in the bottom. They, like, <laughs> move the air a certain way and they can land vertical. That's... Nuts. That's a sub that MW2 or something. That's a Harrier strike. <laughs> yeah. But with that deployment, it was good because you're working over next to America. So I got a few stops in America and I got a stop in Canada as well. I was going to ask, so across then, your, your four years and your multiple deployments, where have you got to see? So my first one was Halifax in Canada. 
Mm-hmm. And then I went to Mayport, Florida. Um, I was in Virginia for a bit. Uh, Washington, D.C. And then my next one, I went to... That's quite a bigger one. That's another little tour. So I think the first stop was Alicante. Then I was in Athens. Then a place called Salamina. So that little kind of Greek island. Then it was a big long stint at sea. I think the next stop was Bangladesh. Uh, we were meant to go to Japan. So we went to Japan for like four days. But because of COVID, we couldn't get off the base. It was an American base. So it was just like a little America. Shit. Yeah, gutted. You can see all the kind of Japanese like mountains and shit. You couldn't get off. Oh, that's um, that's dial. Went to this place called Guam. Yeah. Uh, it's like if you see if we're looking at a globe and you have to sail past Japan. Yep. When you're going like around the world, the next big place is America. Mm-hmm. But in between them, there's this little island called Guam. Okay. And that's like it's kind of. Have you seen Moana? No, I've not. Oh what! I know, I know of it, mate. I'm not a cartoon guy. I just can't do it. It's, uh, I fucking love cartoons because I have a simple mind. Oh yeah, it's like that. It's kind of like it kind of reminds me like Hawaii or something. Okay. So you know, other people are dead friendly, dead small island. You can drive around the island and that. Awesome. Um, like on the way back then, try to think. At one point, we were in Kenya. Went on. Safari there, uh, Gibraltar and Malta. Fucking hell! So you have, yeah, I've been to all the different continents as well. You've got North America. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you get South America. There, you get North America. You've got Africa. You've got Asia. You've got yeah Europe. I mean, you've not got you've not been to Australia, New Zealand, have you? No, I'm choking to go there. But you've got... I think it's really hard to go there in the Navy now. It used to be easy. It used to go there quite a lot. Mm. But now I think it's more difficult because the way that kind of ships' programs are lining up and where like, what like, kind of tasking they're doing. But you got most of the continents in there. I've got two questions. First one, out of all those kind of places, where was your favourite and why? And two, Ooh. two, what's the general reaction when a bunch of Navy guys jump into like a local bar in one of these places so question one favourite place and why second question what's the general reaction and what's it like running about in your your navy costume second one's a very good question but I'll start, I'll start with the first one I think I mean uh, I loved I loved uh, Florida mm. because America's so like it's like a different culture with the military there they're so like, appreciative and like when you're out at bars and you hear your accent you know there's a ship in they're like, hey man, you in the navy, and they'll give you like, they'll buy you a beer, give you like free beer tokens and that. Like, really? Thank you for your service, brother. I'm like, you're welcome, bro. Anytime. I love America. And one guy comes to me like that. You've got our back, and we've got yours, brothers in arms. I was like, fuck yeah, man. I fucking love Americans, honestly. <laughs> um, another one was Kenya. Mm. Kenya was class. I the people are so friendly, and we got to go in safari there. What, what were the people like? Were they that actually was... happy to see you? Yeah, yeah, they loved it. Like, they, just, they just like, you know, talk to folk, I think. They're dead interested in what you have to say. Like, they, they ask those questions about what it's like back home. That's nice. 
Really? So they're just they're just utterly curious. Yeah, yeah. Like I think it's just a bit weird. Like I went to this bar and I asked for asked for a Tuscas, was that kind of Kenyan beer? Mm. And the guys are like, Yeah, yeah, no problem. Do you want lettuce? I was like, sorry. <laughs> what? He was like, Do you want lettuce? I was like, all due respect, mate, what the fuck do I want lettuce for? <laughs> and he was like, Oh, to feed the to feed the tortoise. I was like, what? <laughs> what tortoise? And he gave me this big fucking sheet of lettuce and pointed me over to the side of the bar. And I was like, I can have dip in the ground. Yeah. And there's about four or five fucking massive tortoises just cutting them out. <laughs> I was like, yes, I do want to feed the tortoise. <laughs> I can imagine you absolutely loving that patting them as if they're dogs. I was buzzing, mate. In my element, sitting down next to them. <laughs> Mate, that's fucking class. Is that is that like the biggest I, cultural difference that you saw? Is there anything else that you noticed when you were out and about? Oh, cultural wise, I mean, one of the kind of not so great places in Bangladesh. Yeah, it's just poverty like everywhere. Like, yeah, brutal. I see a guy just walking down the street naked. I was like, what the fuck? Like, loads of them had like ginger hair, which I don't get. I don't know if it's some kind of pigment they have. I think it's a. But, I think the ginger hair thing is a religious thing. I can't remember. Is what, it? Yeah, it's. I can't remember what religion it is, but they have. I was in Nepal for two months earlier in the year, um, <coughs> and there's a few blokes that would kick about in either robes or like near enough naked, and they would have the ginger hair, and I think it's. That's mad. Like, where are they getting hair dye from? It's not hair dye. It's like uh, they use it for like all their spiritual stuff. I can't remember. I think it might be Buddhism or it might be Hinduism. It's one of the two. Um, but they have these people what? that are like basically, they're basically like religious street beggars. So they go around and they like collect money from people and <coughs> have the ginger hair. And in, a, in India and in Nepal, they have this thing called Holy Festival um, where they basically right. just have all these different dyes of other different colours and they just have a day where they just fucking launch different colours at people. Um, but I think those. Have you been to that? Yeah, mate. I done that when I was in Nepal. It was fucking wild, mate. It was so good. That's so crazy. Yeah, it was bananas, mate. We got out in the morning. There's like lots of kids running around with like water balloons filled with like this dust of like blue and red and orange, and you're running around. Everyone's got like water guns, and there's wee kids coming up and throwing stuff at you, and you're chasing people. You come in this massive square, and there's like tens, if not hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people. Just in like this big fuck off square, just expands for like streets and like blocks of people just having a party. There's like a stage, people are just launching shit everywhere. I've got videos, mate. I need to send you it, but ah, it's yeah, a send time. it over. You see, this is why when I when I leave the navy, I want to take like three four months to go traveling before I get another job. But not like I don't want to work and travel. Yeah, I've just been saving money, so I want to just go fuck about. Bits about, do you know what I mean? Just do what I want because even though you get to go places with the Navy, it's not quite the same because it's always kind of you're managed, do you know what I mean? Your time's managed. So if you're in for four days, one of the days you might be duty. So the day before duty, you have to watch what you're doing. And then the day before you're sailing, you have to watch what you're doing. I want to just be able to go out on my own terms and do whatever I want to do. Mate, you fucking love it as well, and you might even end up for more than. Yeah. Four months. I know especially with the amount you've like the Navy's well paid, I'm pretty sure. 
Um, yeah. An amount you've been able to save and stuff because you're on the ship and you're getting meals paid for and stuff. Like, traveling's really not that expensive. I've done an eight-month eight stint there and I probably averaged about 1.1 grand a month. And that was living well, mate. Like, I was eating out three meals a day. I was staying in private rooms. I wasn't... Be- I was being fucking loose with money, mate. Like, I wasn't skimping on shit. So it's like, it's super yeah. cheap, mate. If you think about how much you would maybe... If, say, for example, you had an apartment in Glasgow, that's going to set you back four or 500, and then you've got council tax, maybe 150, food, oh, another mad. 300. Yeah. You've got your car, maybe another 300. So, like, traveling for a month. And that's what probably... you're actually doing anything you want to do. Yeah, exactly. If you add up I mean... all your expenses in Glasgow per month, you're probably talking about 1,500, 1,600 with all your activities, maybe even more. Um, put into one if you're, like, living in your own apartment and stuff. And then you compare that mm-hmm. to traveling for a month, and it's actually less. I don't know why more mm-hmm. people don't do it, mate. But I'm glad to hear that you're going to. And Defos, give me a shout when, mate, because I'll, I'll fuck off and join you, mate. I've got no problems with that. Would love that, mate. <laughs> I would love that. Um, mate, I want to hear more about the the system or the weapons engineer. So, you are you fixing like? M14s like hand weapons? Are you fixing big turrets? Are you fixing missile this, things? This is where it gets a bit kind of foggy. So when I joined as a weapon engineer, there's like three specializations within the overall branch you can go to. Mm-hmm. So one's weapons, one's sensors, and one's comms. Okay. So I got when I got promoted, I went on that course, I got streamed the comms kind of specialist okay so on my my draft when i left uh when i left my my course and went to go on ship with a leading hand my first draft was on hms kent so that's a frigate and on that i was the internal comms section yeah, stop what's a what's a frigate um a frigate is like a ship that it's kind of specialist thing it's like a towed sonar so it's for finding Finding like submarines mostly. Okay, so finding enemy submarines of an enormous yeah. nature. Yeah, frigates are frigates are like older as well. So you, the kind of newer ones are like frigates. Then you get after frigates, sorry, it's destroyers. But now there's like a whole new array of ships coming out. So it's all it's all changing. But frigates are kind of they're kind of backbone of the navy now. Okay, so you're on a frigate. Tell me more. You've been promoted at this point. They're going to put you on comms. Yes. You're on a frigate. What happens now? So I was in internal comms section head. So your, your main job there is you've got like two people working in your section below you. And you have all the kind of internal communication systems on the on the ship. And it's good because you just kind of get left alone to it. Like they go, this is your kit. So, so I mean, like take it in your own hands. You plan the maintenance. You... Anything that's wrong with it is yours to sort out. Like no one's gonna like micromanage you. Okay. But because you're a weapon engineer, you have to have an overall knowledge of the department as well, like on everything this weapon. So there's like fourteen magazines on board. So you'd have like all your magazine knowledge of how the magazine sprays work, what ammunition's gonna be in the magazines and what to do in like different instances if something was to go wrong, like there was a fire in a magazine or if one of the rounds were to go off and it might be like, around like phosphorus in it what the kind of emergency operating procedure is for that. By, by magazine, sorry, there's so much to unpack here as well. 
by magazine you mean magazines for larger weapons we're talking like artillery yeah. guns and yeah yeah so i don't know if you like get a magazine on a, on a weapon like a rifle but this is like a magazine it's a whole compartment and it'll be filled with either small rounds or filled with missiles like your missile silo okay or it could be filled with different kind of things like you get anti kind of weapons like a missile you send out that say if someone shot like a heat seeking missile at you yeah you'd let off this round that gives off a high kind of phosphorus it makes a larger heat signature Okay. So that'll take away the, 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 the diversion from the ship. So you you probably have a really extensive knowledge of different weapons, specifically relating to maritime warfare, right? <laughs> I hope <laughs> as so. As much as you should. I mean, more I than you should. <laughs> uh, yeah, I should probably know more, but hmm. I'm getting there. <laughs> okay, so you got somewhat of a knowledge, and then you're specialising in comms, so that's... Yeah. Radio. What other types of comms do you have? Well, there's so there's mine's nice internal comms. So that came under like all the kind of there's a thing called rice. It's like rationalised integrated communications equipment, and that's like it's a way of having like point to point contacts throughout the ship, and then they're having like group lines. So your group lines are like group chats and stuff. Mm. Basically, that if you plug yourself into this group, anyone around the ship that's also in that group, you can talk to no matter like where they are. What is it, like a walkie-talkie kind of system? You're going on the same frequency? No, no, it's like a, it's like a kind of unit that you plug a headset into. So the unit will stay at that station. So like in the option, each okay. station will have their own and it'll have like the bridge and stuff. So it's like an aux cord you're plugging into it, you bang a pair of headphones in. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's like. It's so each station that you plug into and you choose where you want to go to. Okay, and your, your responsibility thing, is to make like, sure all of this shit's tip-top. Yeah, which is also shit because frigates are that old. I mean, they're like 30, 40 year old. That there's that much things that go wrong with them. And sometimes you're like, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Do you know what I mean? There could be an air somewhere that's shorting out. Mm. But they just say, oh, it's somewhere on this half of the ship. <laughs> I mean, I'm fucking perfect. That narrows it down. Cheers. Do you, do you love that, the problem solving aspect? Or is that something you kind of start to do? I love after the problem solving. I love the problem solving when there's like some kind of mathematical way or engineering way to figure it out. Mm. But see when it's just you got to try loads of different things until you find the one, that pisses me off. Yeah, like a plug and play just fucking uh, diminishing yeah. the possible but, results slowly over time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it was, I, liked, I liked the life on a frigate. Do you know I mean, it's a good lifestyle. Yeah. People were all sound. It's just, I was my patience was kind of wearing away with internal comms. So I've ended up changing drafts now to something new. Okay, so what are you doing now? Um, so now it's a brand new thing that they used to have minesweepers. Like they mm. still do have them, but they're going like they're getting decommissioned. They're going out to like the Gulf and finding mines. But now they've got this new thing that it's like an eleven foot boat that it can take people on it, like two or three people, and they can drive it manual. Or you'll have a remote control centre and you can drive it in remote. Mm. So, someone that's in that centre they might be like on a kind of base station they can drive the whole boat or you can like pre-plan a mission into it and make it go autonomous so like no one's on it it just does its own thing and this is like the kind of new like forefront in the Navy basically okay. so when I'm I'm deployed in January with it and that's like the first time it's going operational so you'll be are you are you heading up the department or just working with the people on that? 
So yeah, it's just weird. So there's only like 16 of us, maybe. Mm. And because it's such a small team, they haven't split it into weapon engineers and marine engineers. They just said, use our engineering team. Okay. So we've all got trained in everything. So I've been trained in like engine maintenance, like water jet maintenance. There's obviously electrics already now and like hydraulics and stuff. So it's a lot more interesting because I'm not doing any kind of comms anymore. There's a few little bits and pieces that are external comms, but most of it's like mechanical. Yeah. Which I'm enjoying a lot more. Mate, that's interesting the fuck is especially because it's a new piece of equipment and it's... Yeah, it's brand new. new. My question is, who is Britain still in active warfare with that they need to search for mines? Like, why Why is that still a thing? So, they'll have, like... I'm not going to say who, but they'll have, they'll have, like, countries in the Middle East that they might put out mines because they don't want people transiting through their waters. Okay. Or you might have, like, people who are wanting to attack cargo ships that will put mines in the water because then when the cargo ships go over it, that'll be your chance to attack a cargo ship. Got you. Okay. I mean, it's not, it's not an act of warfare. It's more of a personal gain. Yeah, okay. So is it even countries then, like, that you're worried about? Ukraine. No, no, not to be worried about. Okay. And it's not, it's not specifically like countries. It might be more individuals or organisations. Yeah, I mean, there's a few countries that will still do it, just because they're dicks, pretty much. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, do you, you still show you're a dick? I don't know why. <laughs> you're an absolute cunt. Come on. Do you still get that? Like, and there's, there's, our... now, there's a whole new kind of mind warfare thing coming up because of Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Because well, it was definitely mines getting dropped with them. Okay, and in between different waters and stuff, they'll just drop mines at the forefront of their country. Kind of. I mean, that's mostly. Land warfare, right? Russian Ukraine. No, no. There's been um, there's been Russian ships blown up. Really? Okay, I never knew that at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the ships that we worked with uh, last year got blown up. Fucking hell! Seriously? Yeah, it's mad. That's pretty wild, and it had so one of the ships that you were working on, like one of the UK ships. Not working on. We're working like <clears throat> I'm saying working. It was like in a tense situation. Mm. where we were like for about three days we were both kind of parked and it was like that close to each other like I probably could have thrown a rock onto their ship Jesus and then that same ship got blown up this year was in the years that's wild stuff mate people that you were <clears throat> maybe 20 feet away from they've ended up dying in yeah. actual warfare yeah it's, it's wild my, my thing is right so for you anyone that goes into the navy or the army must be somewhat prepared to be actively deployed at some point is that something that they've made explicitly clear to you and would you be ready say the uk went to war with someone you would you be ready to be part of the navy and go and do that yeah mate because at the end of the day even though it's not necessarily what you want to do that's kind of what you signed up for Mm. so you can't just sign up for the good parts and be like oh yeah i want to go get pissed and go travel and that and then when shit hits the fan kind of back away and go actually no this is getting a bit too serious now so you got to have in your head that that's what you're signing up for and that's like potentially what could happen yeah what's the what's the dialogue from the Navy about that how did they speak to you about that because obviously we're no massive active wars just now Um. yeah they like you know we are like a war fighting Navy do you know what I mean like we're always prepared to do things like that just doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have to 
But as long as you know, like, like there's always say like, even though they tell you things, like the program, like the operational program comes first. So when I got back to that deployment last year, that was eight months I was away for. And um, they got back in December and they went, right, we're not going to see you now till June. So you have like six months alongside you with your families. Went on leave for a few weeks, came back in January. And I was on a course, I came back and um, my pal standing on the flight deck and he shouts over. He was like, Harry, we're going to see you on Monday. I was like, fuck <laughs> off. I was like, no, we're not. He's like, yep, yes, we are. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so you, you've been told you had six months off. You get a few weeks to do a course and then you get back there and your mate's like, aye, we're actually back on. Yeah, yeah. So this is when it all kicked off in Russia and Ukraine. So we were doing stuff to do with that. Ah, but anything you I, can reveal? Because it was because of the nature of it. They didn't know what, like, how long we're going to be out for. Ah, so the captain yeah. was saying to us, like, we're going out, we don't know how long for. That's all I can give you. So I had to phone obviously my girlfriend and say, hello, um, I'm going to see you on Monday. <laughs> And she was like, what the fuck? She's like, how long for? I was like, I don't know. But <laughs> I'll see you when I'm back. <laughs> That's wild, mate. Is that anything you can reveal about the activities that you were doing or is that one of those ones that is ah, really it's, it's, it's basically just shadowing frigates that are coming like close to the British border. Okay. It's basically just shadowing them because if you just let, you're not allowed to just let them transit next to it. Yeah. Otherwise, it can pass through. So you've got to be like a shadow alongside them to kind of show a presence. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like we've done that. Protect, protect your wars, basically. Yeah. That's wild stuff, mate. Um, do you... Obviously, if you're going to be part of active duty, everyone gets their training. What are the kind of values that they instill in you in training? Um, It's, it's, all, it's all very good, mate. I mean, it gives you like... It brings a lot of people out of their shell that wouldn't necessarily do that, I think, in other jobs. Because, like, from the get-go, you're thrown into 10 weeks in this mad fucking base where you want about 30, 60 guys. Tell us all about yeah. the kind of beginning, the training, when you initially come in. What that's, what's that all like? Well, it's a bit shit. <laughs> you know, pure baldy nuggets running about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very, very daunting because, like, I'm like I'm quite an outgoing person, but I mean, when I first got there on the Sunday, for those first three days, I was, like, planning my escape route. I was, like... So so I, I had mine split in half because of Christmas. I was doing five weeks, two weeks off of Christmas, then back for five weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in my head, I was like, right, I'll just, I'll just last these five weeks, I'll go home for Christmas leave, then I won't come back. I'm going to get an apprenticeship in my pal's company. And it's all, it's all going to be sweet. Because this is fucking awful. I don't want to be here. What was, and then so, after what was that, so bad I, about it? What was so bad about it? So daunting, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're going like halfway across. Oh, not even half. You're going like the opposite side of Britain. There's all these people that you don't know. And everyone's a bit shy at the start. There's like people walking about with fucking rifles and that. And you just, you get there and you're like, ah, I don't want to do this. Like, I could be tucked up in my room doing nice things watching my telly and fucking having a nice hot water bottle and what what, what, are <laughs> the, what are the conditions that are so bad are you shaved you got a shaved head at this point yeah everyone's shaved and fucking rosy face because I joined in November so it's fucking freezing 
Right, and what You've are you doing? A what, what's box. the physical aspect of it? Like, what are you sleeping in? Give me a fucking explicit So you've got, you've got a big, massive room, basically. A big, massive room with 30 beds in it. And each bed has a locker next to it. So when you walk in, at the end of your bed, you've got a little kind of plastic box. And that's got your uniform in it and your bedding. Uh, they lay down the rules. You have a, a brief, like, the kind of, the Joss, who's the kind of charge, like, security and stuff. And they'll be like... T- drilling all that shit into you like don't do this don't do that uh, don't get caught on your phone you're not on your phones you're standing like oh no <laughs> and then uh, you go up you got to make your bed and they tell you the standards like every morning when you get up at half five your bed will be made pristine they show you how to make your bed properly so like, there's just all this stuff that you're not used to like yeah. so I, I thought I was young at 18 but there's some people that joined when they're 16 yeah, that must have been fucking scary, especially yeah. as you're describing those first few days. You're bald. You're in a fucking. I hate bunk beds as well, mate. I hate fucking sleeping in the same. Oh, no, it's not bunk beds. It's single beds. Single Too beds, fair. but what I mean is that you're in a room with fucking twenty nine other cunts. Twenty nine. Yeah, scared to snore because you don't know anyone. <laughs> so you're like, I don't want to be known as a snorer guy the first night. Oh fucking hell! And then what's the what's the physical aspect of the training like? Is it hard? Um, you're at your fittest when you're in basic training. Really? Do you okay. Yeah, so you do like you do your fitness test and that, and then you have like two or three times a week of like fitness training, mm. and it's like it's like it's called IMF, which is like an initial military fitness, and it's all like controlled. It's kind of like a choreograph. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you got to do everything on time to the beat, mm. and like to when they say like up down all that stuff. Yeah. You do like rope climbs and all that, and you do all the kind of assault courses, like running through ditches. Okay. But this is like this is like the downfall of the navy that once you finish basic training, there's no mandatory fitness. Uh so you can just See, become a fat yeah, a fat cunt cunt if you now. Want. Yeah, literally, mate. Right now, all I have to do is pass my fitness test once a year. I can go year to year without doing any fitness at all, as long as I pass that fitness test once a year. Or if you get an excellent pass every two years, you don't have to do anything in the meantime. So most people do because you like to think most people in the military have a bit of pride in their fitness. But yeah. there's a lot of folk who just sit and get pissed each night. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I, I get bad. I mean, you should. I, anyone should do some kind of mandatory. Yeah, you would think. I mean, like my two things, my idea or my conception of the Navy and the Army and stuff is very much, what was that uh, Aunt Middleton TV show? That was on where he'd get... Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, where he'd get that and they would just break people physically. Do they ever do that where they just yeah. fucking push you until you break? I mean, <coughs> you have some things where you think that's what's happening. Like, I think with a stretcher run. Okay. Where you're in teams of, like, six. You can have fouries on the stretcher at once. You're running about doing different, like, army crawls and, like, you've got a dummy in a stretcher. You're running up and down hills and that. And you think that's you, you think that's you at that kind of point. But um, when you compare it to like that stuff on TV, like the SAS and that, that's not the same at all. Do you know what I mean? It's just not as bad. It's all it's all kind of relative. You just you just think it's hard at that time, but then when you look at the ones that are doing all that, it's nothing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That's that's what I thought it would be like. It's all, it's all relative. To whatever you're doing, do you know what I mean? 
see the types of cunts you were describing how a lot of cunts do take pride in their fitness and stay healthy but a lot of cunts mm-hmm. do just eat, eat shite and drink pints what's the what's the general characteristics of people in the navy like is it full of good cunts that you would trust is it full of shit cunts like what's the split there it's for, to be honest with you, it's like any kind of it's like any kind of job it's half and half do you know what I mean mm. There's some there's some people that you look at and you're like you shouldn't be on board because you're not safe to be on board. As in they're just there but to like have access to weapons and they're a fucking danger to society. Well, I mean, not 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 everyone gets access to weapons anyway. But when you're at sea, you've got the whole kind of firefighting aspect as well, where everyone's trained their role to do like firefighting because if there's a fire on board, it's the ship's company that deals with it. Mm. So as people even like common sense wise, you're looking at it, you're like, if there's an if there's an emergency, you're not gonna have a scooby what you're doing. Aye, there's some some dumb cunts on board. And there's some people that are just assholes and all, but that's just the same as any job. I mean, you could join join an office and you can get that split. But there's some people that are too top notch that you love the bits. That's true. Get on with it's great, true that you do get those bags. people in every profession, but the difference is is the navy and the army these people are trusted to protect the entire country these people are trusted with multi-billion dollar weapons and stuff and oh yeah for, further and on on this <laughs> as well do you meet people so obviously you're quite a high achiever and your role i know that obviously you got promoted very early on i know that you take it seriously as well um thank you do you take or do you meet other people on board that they're like, oh, I want to do really, really fucking well at this. I have maybe a family history in the military. I plan to be at this role at this time. And they're like hyper intelligent and super fit. Do those kind of people exist? Do you meet them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, after the looking at split there is with the Navy, there's the folk that are very like career driven, that want to get promoted and stuff and want to spend their life in the Navy. Like my pal, my pal Bertie. He's happily said that he'll be a lifer. He'll spend his life in the Navy. There's people who are just biding their time. They'll join after a year. They'll realise, I don't like this. And I've got three years left before I can leave. So they're just biding their time until it's time for them to leave. And then you've got the ones in the middle, like myself, that I know I'm not doing it for life. So I reckon I'm going to do six years. And I'm just kind of enjoying it while I'm there. But I'm not looking ahead to get promoted and stuff because I don't want to stay in. Mm. And you've done four so out of all... six years so far. Yeah, so two years left for me, mate. So what's the what's the plans? Let's let's bounce out from the the navy talk because it feels as if I've got quite a good idea. What's the plans after? You want to do some traveling, and what? Good question. Um, do you know what? I don't even know. I'm not even fully set on staying in Dunedin. Mm. Like I would, I would like to, but I just, I just like the idea of being a civvy where nothing's like capped. See that? Again? So I mean, like, it, like nothing's capped. Like, money you can make isn't capped. Okay. Like, where you want to go and what roles you want to go in isn't capped. You can literally do whatever you want. Whereas See. in the navy, like, you could get like promoted, promoted. But usually, unless you go a high-ranking officer, the most you're going to make is maybe like 50 grand, yeah. 55. See, that's... And um, I just like the idea... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. 
that what you're describing of like an uncapped potential for both role fulfillment what you're yeah. doing and money wise i think that's the yeah. essence of why i want to be an entrepreneur and why most people want to become entrepreneurs is because you yeah. have agency over your own life and your own destiny and you get to choose it's it's like a the, the thing that's great about it is like an utter responsibility the only thing holding you back mm-hmm. from more money and a better role is more effort from yourself so could you ever see yourself yeah, exactly in, on in an entrepreneurial role yeah do you know what i would like i would like to see myself in a kind of businessy world mm. you know like i mean i've not i've not got any degree in business i'm gonna do a few kind of project management stuff before i leave the navy but even just knowing the fact that i could do you know what i mean like well when I've left the Navy, if I would do what I go down that route, I can. Yeah. That's what I like. I like the kind of freedom of not being in the Navy. Got you. Yeah. Knowing that I have complete control. If I don't want to do something, I don't have to do it. Whereas now, if they're like, fly out to this place tomorrow, I can't really do much about it. Okay, so it's the, restri- really no. the restriction they're holding on you um, from doing other things and that, that limit that you can never really surpass yeah. um, is what's holding you back because you want to have more more opportunity for yourself, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is what gets some people in the Navy down. I think that at the end of the day, the Navy have you by the balls. Okay, okay. So, I mean, like, and they that's the same decide everything and some people get people beat up about it, but you just got to go with the flow. Just kind of accept, yeah, but I'm doing something different. Just kind of go with it. And that's the same Because if you get beat up about it, it's not going to change anything. Yeah, it's the same with most jobs, to be honest, though. It's like there is a limit to most professions where you're working under someone. There's a limit. I mean, you can get experience and then transfer that to something else of your own. And that's true of the Navy as well. Is actually, so my boss, I'm doing a bit of landscaping at the moment um, just so I can uh, fucking funnel money into this cold brew coffee business and podcast. Like, that's purely as a means to an end. But I was talking to him today. Um, and... We are just talking about how people from... He's had people from the army and stuff in the past come on and work for him uh-huh. saying that these people are actually really good as entrepreneurs, really good as hard workers because they have those principles instilled in them. Um, <coughs> yeah. With yourself, would you say that they've made a difference to your integrity or your principles or your character? Um, or is that... Well, the Navy. Yeah, the Navy. Yeah, yeah, it has. It makes you more of a confident person because you're constantly put in situations that you wouldn't normally find yourself in. Mm. So, I mean, like, you'll, you'll understand as well if you're travelling. Like, see, like, if you join a ship and you get put in this pure tight space and they say, you're living here now with all these people that you've never met and you're working with them and you'll eat with them and stuff and you've got to get, you've got to quickly try and make friends. Yeah. And just get on with folk. And you'll know that's like when you're travelling and you go out and you you go to a country and not, you went by yourself, you don't know anyone, but you got to kind of meet folk. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like it, does, it does build your character. Probably remarkably easier for me considering um, when you're travelling, you're in like you're social handsome. situations. As, uh, I am handsome as fuck as well, to be fair, but ah, I just that got helps. a cramp in my leg. <laughs> 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 I just tensed it and just got a fucking crap on the 
Um, that was a I, powerful squeal. Yeah, it was. Mate. It was a it was a man squeal right there. Um, yeah. Remarkably easier, but uh, yeah, mate, traveling's fucking great for meeting people. It's great for uh, putting yourself in different social situations and developing that. It's even like a it's a weird in a weird way. It's a sense of sales. It's selling yourself to other people and understanding what what they're looking for and what you're looking for as well. And you have a better understanding of what's right for you as well. Um, so I mm-hmm. feel as if as I've got older, I have a really firm, or not quite firm, but um, near enough good grasp on what I enjoy and what I don't enjoy. So for example, when I went traveling, a lot of people would go out clubbing and they would go see certain temples and they'd go do certain things. And at the start, I was like, oh yeah like I'll go out and do these things and I went and tried them and then after maybe a few months I was like ah, I don't actually enjoy those activities I was just doing them because other people were doing them so it was only through mm-hmm. living that experience where I understood oh okay like I actually know what I really like and more importantly why I really like it and that's now yeah. influenced other parts of my life as well where I understand why I like certain things and why I do certain things as well which I think a lot of people struggle with is that they are just on autopilot or they do things because other people do it. Um, that's very true. So, yeah, I mean, that's something I found. I went sober for the year in 2020 as well. And okay. that, like, just done the entire year, this was, so I went, I decided at the end of 2019, start 2020, I was going to do it. Luckily, three months in, COVID hit, which made it remarkably easier because no one was doing anything yeah. anyways. Um but that really taught me a lot about what sort of occasions I enjoy just because I'm getting drunk and what sort of occasions I mm-hmm. enjoyed because they were actually good occasions and I liked the people and I liked the conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people ruin their, their occasions when they get too pissed. Because uh, they'll peak too early, they'll start blacking out and not remembering things. And you're like, you haven't even remembered like half that night. I think we can majorly say as well, being from uh, Scotland, first of all, and somewhere kind of... <laughs> yeah. Somewhere close, like a like a closed group, like East Kilbride is, where yeah, when you go to gaffs and stuff, like it is, I don't know, I don't know what it's still like there, but I remember there being way too much drama and people just getting fucked. Like the Scottish drinking and drug culture is just go sit in a room, put some tunes on, talk, and get as fucked up as possible. Like it's not centered around playing beer pong. Or going out somewhere and having fun, <laughs> or going out and listening to some good music, or someone's birthday. Yeah. Just, can we sit in a room and get as fucked up as possible, and people will possibly fight? It's like a race. It's a race. See, so you'll get the most fucked quickest. It's weird, mate. It's a weird fucking culture. That's one thing that I actually think. Even though Americans and that can't handle it, the center they're drinking around different things like it i know a few americans over here and i met a bunch of us traveling they were always like oh like let's go and play beer pong or let's go out and see this sunset bar at night or let's go out yeah. and do this occasion it was the drinking was centered around an actual activity whereas in the uk yeah, or Scotland, drinking is the activity there's no activity to center around that is the activity solely yeah they're like let's go out for a beer yeah. And the occasion for going out is the beer. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. The occasion is the alcohol. Um, yeah. That's a weird one. I don't know how we got that on this tangent, but um, here we are, mate. I've not really got <laughs> a, a segue to this next one, but um, I wrote a few notes down 
um, before okay. we had this. I was on the train this morning to work, uh, and I was trying to think, try to think about things to ask you, and I want to get a little bit philosophical and a little bit deeper because I think it's important that as I get more guests Ooh. on, we start to understand that the guests are human. So one thing I've been doing recently yep. is I've been listening to podcasts of all sorts, trying to understand what makes a podcast good. And a lot of them will get on these really high-profile guests. It could be fucking Selena Gomez. It could be Rich Roll. It could be anyone. But yep. because they're just speaking about all these successes and their story of success, you forget that at some point they had doubts or they had anxiety or they still do or they're worried about this thing or they were sad at this point. So I want to bring more of that yeah. to it so we understand people as actual human beings. So one question I want to ask you right now, what is your biggest pain point in life right now? What are you most worried about for the future? What am I most worried? Do, do you know what I'm actually most worried about? That I've got all these like in my head, like these ambitions and stuff for when I leave and how things are going to be. Like I want to try get the property and all this, get up to a good job. And I'm just kind of worried in case it all goes to shit. And I've built up this picture in my head of how good it's going to be, mm. and I don't kind of meet the standard of what I had for myself. So not meet you know your I mean? own like, expectations of what you want your life to be. Yeah, like, see if I've been talking about how I want to be a savvy because money's not capped, like, your aspirations aren't capped, do what you want, and then 10 years from now, I'm fucking nothing special, do you know what I mean? I'm just an average Joe. Yeah. That kind of scares me a bit. That's not what I want for myself. I get that as well. And it's worried about, yeah, it's, it's like worried about, I know where I want to be, it's just I don't know how to get there necessarily. So it's the steps, it's the actions to take to get to that position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I understand that to probably a degree more than most people because in my mind that, like, the idea of, my idea of myself in the future is a very successful self. And that's probably the same for you, yeah. right? Yeah. And I try to think about it as well and I contemplate the exact thing that you've just voiced there quite a lot. And I think for me, it's a case of I actually can't think about it too much. I just have to start doing things that move me in that direction. So if you want to have, if you want to be like, what things to do? Yeah. So for example, like see this podcast and the cold brew business. I yeah. want the cold brew business to be worth hundreds of millions, and I want to sell it at some point. I want this podcast to be one of the biggest in the world, right? And I couldn't tell you how yeah. to do either of them right now. So what I did was I just bought podcasting equipment, started it. The first two episodes of this podcast are me just talking, absolutely waffling into a mic, talking shit. <laughs> they, they literally are. The first two episodes are me just fucking waffling shit into a mic. And I'm like, yep, I can upload that to Spotify. So I think for me, it's just like stick the blinders on, just get started. Oh, I heard a, yeah. a quote from someone the other day and it was really good. Um, this was a this was a quote. Traction brings motivation. So I think most mm -hmm. people wait for themselves to be motivated before they start making those steps in that direction. But apparently, a sense. better way of looking at it is just to get started. And that traction of like seeing those little mini results, no steps in the right direction, that actually in itself brings about the motivation. And I think that's the only I mean, way. That, 
that is a great way of looking at it because even like you'll know when you're in uni and you're doing like a dissertation or something like the worst part of a big project is starting it yeah. once you started it the ball's rolling it's fine it's just actually doing the start you've always got the plan of how you're going to do it but it's just getting like pen on paper yeah that's it mate and that that point you're making about not fulfilling your future self I think the only way you'll ever be able to level yourself and be the same as if both of us fucking try try hard as shit because if you get 10 years down the line right and you are nothing that you wanted to be but you fucking tried hard and you know that you tried hard then you've really like I think you'll get to that point and you'll be like oh okay like I actually my self esteem's good I feel good about myself because I know that I put a fucking shift in I tried uh, you know you tried you can't be disappointed in yourself because you've done a bit and you could exactly and people get frozen about it they're like oh people don't even try in the first place because they have the same idea that you just spoke about there where it's like it's too daunting to be that future version yourself because it's so unimaginable but yeah the only way you'll get there is just trying and like that's the only way you'll ever be happy either way and I remember I was, yeah. oh, what podcast, like I've been spamming podcasts recently, so I've been coming <laughs> up with, there's a lot of good knowledge swimming about, my brain just not easily accessible. Um, I can't remember who it was, but there was a guy on a podcast recently and he says that no one he's seen that's really fucking tried hard to be their, like, their best self or try to achieve their ambitious goal has ever failed in his eyes. No one that's ever mm-hmm. just like set that goal for themselves and really tried has ever failed. So that's that, a good that's a good kind of way to look at things. It just speaks for like, like warming what, way. Do you know what I mean, what is the way? What is the way of stopping either of us from being who we want to be? Right, it's just a step of actions that may eventually lead to success in that department. Right. Yeah, it's not. It's not impossible. Sometimes I think about it and I'm like, all these celebrities and super successful people, it's all it's all like a game. Like they're not they're not even real, but they are. Like a lot of them are just normal people that decided one day, nah, this isn't good enough. I'm gonna do something different, I'm gonna try harder. And they ended up there. Like they are actually normal people and it's not Yeah. Just because we are in our lives now, it seems as if it's unescapable or impossible to get there but it's not I think that's something we need to I, I struggle with this so somehow, much exactly exactly and I struggle with this so much as well that kind of self-belief aspect um, mm-hmm. but it's something I'm working on as well mate uh, so I get it I'm glad I'm glad we're on the same page yeah it sucks mate but it's um, that kind of fear of not being a success I think is maybe what pushes us both because I can probably say yeah it does I can speak for both of us here and I want you to add on to this as well but for me that anxiety Uh around not being that person or not being the best version of myself that's what pushes me to do more things that pushes me to get up in the morning go to work get home go to the gym start this podcast do other things that anxiety about not doing that's what pushes me it does drive you because you're that scared of not achieving or scared of not hitting your potential that you're pushing yourself more to do it. Yeah. That's it. Which is, it, I mean, it's not, people can look at that as being like a bad trait, but I don't think that's bad. I mean, people can be like, oh, you shouldn't be scared of not achieving, you shouldn't be scared of not doing this, but 
that sense, you should. I mean, if you if you do what I do well, then you should have that kind of fear of not doing well because that's what's going to give you the motivation, the drive to to do what you have to do. Exactly, that's it. And I think I think see see people don't want to achieve anything with their life. Fair enough. Like I'm not even gonna lie. I don't. I don't want to be fucking not associated, but I'm not going to spend loads and loads of my time with people that don't want to be anything. Like, I want to surround myself with people that inspire me to be better. And it might not just be business success, but there might be, I might have friends that are really good in their relationships and they're amazing uh, husband or they're amazing father or they're amazing (coughs) daughter or there might be other people that are amazing at different things. It doesn't all need to relate to money, but people that inspire you to be better, I think you need to surround yourself with them yeah have you, have you it's only going to do you good have you found yourself as you got older cutting out dead weight in terms of people um yeah yeah I mean like even like simpler things like when you're younger and you go about in like a bigger crowd and there's people like that are out looking for trouble mm. I mean like, that's quite a big thing, I think, in Scotland, that when you're younger, you think you're, like, the hardest country on earth, yeah. top of the world, that <laughs> you can take on anyone. And people go out looking for bother, looking for trouble to up their status as a hard man. Yeah. And even that, just, like, growing up and realising that, like, why do you even want to fight anyone? Why? What good comes with fighting anyone? Fuck all. Things like that. Like, cutting that kind of people in your life that are looking for trouble, I think. Hmm. So it's people like that that I mean there's still there still is a lot of people like that where we're from where Yeah. That's that's full time what they do. It's like a boyish egocentric. Hard man. Yeah. It's like a pure <laughs> egocentric pursuit to try say that they're hard, but I mean I guess it can come from a whole different set of factors of why they're like that, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's important, mate. One thing I've been thinking about recently is so you're you're someone that inspires me in a, a bunch of different ways, mate. I really respect and value. Oh, thank you, Liam. You went to the navy. I was talking. I was explaining to my boss today. I was explaining who I was podcasting with tonight, and I was describing. I was describing you to him, and I was like, "He's one of those people that just makes everyone feel comfortable, no matter what situation you're in." Um, and I could oh. I could see you after ten years, and then. I'd walk around the corner. It'd be as if I'd seen you yesterday. It would just be like a normal conversation. I always look forward. Well, you're the to... exact same as that. <laughs> We're that to each other, mate. You make you. I think you make people feel special. Um. Oh, that's very nice, mate. Thank you. No worries, mate. This is the part of the podcast where I just compliment my guests. Apparently. Oh no! Don't make me cry. <laughs> Um, I don't know where I was leading with that, to be honest, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> if you want to take me on a date, mate, if that's what you're buttering me up for, <laughs> we can go on a date anytime. We can do that if you want, mate. Well, actually, I know where I was going Sorry. with that. I know where I was going with that. So one thing I've been thinking about recently, I've been listening to all these different podcasts, and one thing they keep bringing up is that they all recommend seeking out some sort of mentor and uh-huh. reaching out to them and being like, this is what I want to do. For example, you said you want to be a civvy. Is that a civil engineer? No, no, a civvy is in, like, not in the military anymore. Oh, a civilian. 
that's about you know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Um, I'm very, I'm very vague. I just said I want to be SMB. Okay, okay. Any, any career I'm not in the military. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. I'm not getting the military lingo down. Um, <laughs> right. Say, for example, you want to become an entrepreneur. What would be, what would be one area that you could be an entrepreneur, and what is one area that you could see yourself in? <sighs> well. I don't know if I can necessarily see myself in this. I don't like I'd have the knack for it, but I'd like to be able to do this. Cause I've seen folk that have done it, and it's just made up millions, basically. Mm. Like, see if you can come up with a flaw in the Navy. You can come up with a flaw, and when you leave, you can design something that gets rid of this flaw. A bit of kit or some kind of hardware or software or something that basically you sell back to the Navy. Mm. That, I see people do that and they are fucking like sorted for life. Because if you can, if you can, if you've worked in the environment and you know where it's going wrong, then you can explain that to the Navy, like, this is, this is how it's going wrong, this is how I propose to amend that and fix it. And you can sell them this. You're done, mate. I mean, that's all you have to do. You've got a contract with them for life, you sell them it, you build up the company and you can just kind of keep mass producing it to how many, how many other different ships. So there we are. That would be the dream. Okay, so you leave the Navy, you think of that, and one route towards that could be, and a really good route for that would be maybe someone that's done something similar to that before, someone that was maybe in the Navy but also worked in like an engineering business background, has their own yeah. business. If you found someone like that yeah. and you seek them out and you're like, look, I'm young, I'm hungry, this is what I want to do, I'm looking for a mentor. Is that something you could help me with? And maybe 90% of the time you'll get rejected back. But I think that's something I'm going to start looking for soon as uh-huh. someone that can mentor me just from like an altruistic standpoint because there's got to be people in their 40s or their 50s that have achieved everything they want in business and success and they've got a family and they're maybe to looking to get back in a more altruistic way. And I think there's no better way to learn from people to have that one-on-one mentorship if they're willing to give it so yeah. that's something i think i'm going to start seeking out soon as some sort of mentor as i try to make something of myself um liam i am very sorry i'm getting about five phone calls from what they're now like to jump on a call with them okay um what we can do is we'll end it here and then get me a phone back after and we can finish it yes mate happy days is that all right yeah sweet yeah jump off and then give but, us a shout uh, back that's fine mate cheers no worries mate bye bye uh, Alright, we're, we're back uh, Harry had a, a very important call um, I believe it was the <laughs> President of the United States He was uh, Yes, we're on good terms, me and him <laughs> He was asking for um, some immediate uh, backup I believe that Harry's on his way with uh, some He's got the man advice and his, his regular stuff, you know <laughs> <laughs> What should I have for lunch? What time should I wake up at? How should I treat my wife? <laughs> He's got all the answers. <laughs> I've got them all. Um, I've got them all in my back pocket. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's jump back in. We kinda we veered off onto mentors and stuff for a while. Um I've got two two questions for you left, mate. And then we'll yep. we'll bump it there, mate. My first question, I know you as a very happy fellow. 
that's my idea yes. of you in my mind. You're always smiling. You're always laughing. But I know that different people struggle with different things. So yeah, one question I've got for you is where have you felt the most pressure or the most anxiety in your life in the past? And where have you seen the biggest improvement in something that you used to be bad or anxious or worried about in the past? Mm. There's a few there's a few things I could say for this, do you fear? If you've got a few, when I used to first meet folk, I used to be very like kinda paranoid or kinda like cautious of what their opinion on me was going to be after that first meeting. So I feel like for ages, I was never actually like properly myself when I was meeting new folk. That's, and that's it took me a while. Dude. Like, yeah, you just get you, you want to make a good impression on folk, so you don't want to be too forward or anything or too much yourself. Almost, do you know what I mean? That's so a, I was like that for quite a while. That's surprising me because knowing you you and socials like interactions always seem so effortless i never knew that there was like a a thought process a conscious no the was for a while mate i'd be like quite paranoid like oh fuck what if, if i say something wrong here or what if you think i'm a bit of a weirdo really? but i got to a point where i was traveling with folk in the car for work right and it's folk you don't necessarily know so people say like on this page like traveling from Portsmouth to scotland and they'll say, like, giving people lifts if there's one. So you jump in, lifts to these folk, and there's these boys that I went with quite a few times. And then um, it was, like, a couple of weeks we've been doing this, these journeys together, and then you get more comfortable, naturally. And I was talking to my aim, and they're like, you're funny as fuck. I was like, where's, where's this came from? I was like, I've just been fucking more, more reserved up until now, because, <laughs> I don't know, you know what, you know what I go kind of full throttle at the start? Aye. And that's like I realised, like, you may as well just be the way you normally are, and if you don't like it, you don't like it, fuck it. Awesome, so is that something you carry into, like, everyday life now, that you're just always yourself, first off? Yeah, I feel like I'm a lot more confident now. Like, I can just go like, talk to anyone, or even in work, like, talking to folk, just like, fuck it, just come across as confident, be yourself, and if you think you're a dick, but you're a dick. Something else you can do about it, you're not going to change the mind. Do you know what I mean? That's just the way you are. Mate, do you ever get cunts that actually think that you're a dick? Because that seems like it would be yeah. far between. Nah, I'm an arsehole, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you're an arsehole, but I just thought other cunts thought you were sound. Aye. Well, I don't know, can I try and like, put a blind eye to it? If I think that someone thinks I'm a dick, I'll just try and keep it that way. Because I'm like, well... What's the point? I want to be around those, but I try to change their mind. Mm. I mean, that's what I've kind of went off. But if someone doesn't like you, I used to be like obsessed with why does this person not like me? Yeah. I'd make it my mission. I'm like, they will be my friend. But they like used it to do that in the past. If they didn't like you, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Be friend them somehow. Yeah, if they didn't like me, I'd be like, what reason could they have to not like me? What have I done wrong? <laughs> I'm like, I'd get feel like angry. I'd be like, fuck them. They will be my friend. <laughs> I'll fucking make them. I'll bend their arms. I will make them my friend. Like me. I'll be the most charming man on earth. Mate, you are a very charming man. Do you ever think... Thank you, thank you. What's the... And then... So just just expanding on that uh, before you go on your next yeah. one. Sorry, I've just fucking smacked my, my mic right in the mouth. 
gave it a fucking. I was wondering what that night. was. I heard the. That was a left right good night for me, mate. It was a Liam Lawson special. Oh God! Served them up. Bustlet. I fed them dinner. Um, oh. <laughs> anyways, what, what were we saying? Um, for me, I've almost like. It might be different for you. I feel as if you're kind of universally liked. That's that's how it comes across from an outside perspective. For me, I feel as mm-hmm. if I'm quite a a polarizing figure. So I've always understood that people either really like me and really get along like our relationship's amazing and mm-hmm. the relationships i have with my close mates like i absolutely love them and i think that feeling's reciprocated i have a good sense that that feeling's reciprocated they really enjoy my company and who i am but i also yeah. understand that there's a lot of people out there that really fucking don't like me and i can i actually get it like it doesn't as I, I realized this maybe four or five years ago and it doesn't offend me anymore because I realised that I actually like to some people I must be really abrasive and really annoying so I've been quite lucky do you know, no, do you know the only reason that could be is some people get like I think like threatened or like envious by like interesting people so you say like yourself then mm. you'll halfway just go fuck off and say right I'm going to this place for like a couple months and I'm going to go to that place and you're pretty carefree you just cut about and do what you want to do yeah there's probably people that want to do that but they just don't have the bottle to do it and for that reason, they might channel that anger at themselves, at someone like you that is doing it. And about, oh, he's a weird cunt, or he's this and that, because you're doing what you want to do. And there's people who will get stuck in these cobrides that they'll start telling a story, and then they'll ask you about yours, and your story's fucking like 10 times cooler, do you know what I mean? Because you're out in the world and stuff. Then that might get that impression they go, oh, actually, you know what? I don't like him because he's actually more of an interesting person than I am. Maybe there's some of that in there but yeah I, I mean I can't I can't say for it it's going to sound egotistical if I'm like ah it's because I'm more interesting than every cunt um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how to agree with that yeah which, I mean um, <laughs> yeah which isn't necessarily true but I think I, I think that being a person who is who people have strong emotions about is a good thing so you people very strongly like you and you'll maybe have very few people who very strongly dislike you and for me i have quite a few people that very strongly like me and i probably have quite a lot of people that very strongly dislike me and i'd rather be someone anyone that dislikes you ah mate i can imagine we don't want outbow on the podcast i know you've got a few names we can discuss that on uh, private calls yeah it's a it's a private one but um it doesn't matter is the thing is like i'd rather be someone that people felt strongly about regardless because i think it means you're doing something right i think it means that you are entirely yourself because if you're just a fucking middle of the road i'm gonna be a sheep i'm just going to be a normal person i'm going to do my own thing i'm not going to offend anyone then you're not going to make a fucking impact you're just going to be a piece of fucking vanilla ice cream a fucking ham sandwich of a human being and it's just like what's the point you might as well be if you're a fucking yeah. abrasive and annoying <laughs> that's hate you like you're doing something right i think exactly mate if, if someone's got that much of opinion on you there's obviously a reason for it join us you're doing something right that you're just being completely yourself, that you're not caring, you're not trying to fit in the sway of their emotions. Yeah, I think there's value in, in being different. Um, I was listening, right, okay, podcast I can actually name, I was listening to one today with a guy called Alex Hormozzi, and he was a guy that 
came from like a middle class background, had like twenty grand, and he built it up to like a hundred million. Like, I'll send you a link to him. Like, his, his story's fucking amazing. Um, and one of the things he noticed, he's like in his late thirties now, I think. He says one of the things he noticed that any time the mass majority told him not to do something, and he did it anyways. That's where he's seen the biggest leaps in success. Mm-hmm. The biggest leaps in his life have came from the things that other people thought wasn't possible or he shouldn't do. But because he just did them anyways, they've actually led to the biggest improvements in his life. So maybe that's something that's... Um, that is such an interesting perspective. Yeah, and this is a guy that's came from nothing and ended up in hundreds of millions. Like, oh, I mean, his, his perspective's so interesting. I need to link you, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, worth giving a listen to. Um, and what was that second one? You were going to mention something else there of one of the other improvements uh, you've made. This is this is slightly more slightly more trivial, isn't it? It's like deep. Mm. But do you know what? It's been like the most kind of like scared I've been in my life. I think like for like a longer period of time, like anxiety wise. Hit me. See when I was learning to drive, mate. Holy shit! You were that nervous? I'm even kidding. See when I used to like walk to my driving lesson so mm. I, I was like walking through the base because I was getting the, the ghetto outside the gate mm. so I was walking through the base my stomach would be fucking like flipping about I'd be like sweaty hands I'd be saying to myself I don't want to do this but I do not want to get in that car but I know I need to learn to drive and see that's it that's for about three weeks four weeks it didn't change I'd be so like nervous and I hated it Mate, that and is... that was such a weird feeling because I just thought I'd be confident with it. I'd be, like, oh, I'd be a piece of piss, but <laughs> fuck me, it was, it that, was not. That's wild to hear that from you, mate. Like that's another thing that I never would have known about you that you would have such nerves about. I mean, driving tests and driving is somewhat scary, but a lot of people go into it thinking, "Oh, this is like they'll figure it out." Yeah, it's wild hearing from well, you. One of the most confident test, people I know. Testing part was fine, but they, thank you. The learning to drive, like. Coming from you, one yeah. of the more confident people I know, that's wild to hear, mate. It was awful, mate. I used to sit there, but fuck this. I'm not even gonna, I'm gonna learn to drive. Fuck it. I'll get a bus over <laughs> <anywhere." laughs> I, I think you're glad it, that's not reality. Stay on the road. I was so shaky in that. I just stall all the time. She'd be like, What's wrong with you? Like, calm down. I'm like, I don't know what's happening, <laughs> but I don't like it. <laughs> oh, mate, is that. Is that something that still exists in your day-to-day life? Like, no. is there any new things? Are you going into things with more confidence and more gusto now? Um, not at the moment, really. Yeah. But even, like, work-wise, I don't get as nervous with, like, new things. I'm just... Like, see if there's like, a new, like, defect, I don't know any kind of reason what it's going to be. I'll happily just kind of get in about it and start pulling things out and see what's happening. Okay. But it's just that. The driving thing was just the worst for me. I hated it. That's wild, mate. I'm fucking. That's mad to hear. That is. Yeah. Have you ever? Have you noticed, or is that something you paid attention to? That in the past, the disparity between those internal emotions. Have you been anxious about that? You've been anxious about how people perceive you, and what you actually give out into the world, which is this extremely sociable, extremely confident. Like no one can hurt him. He's friends with everyone. Have you noticed that there's a disparity between those internal emotions and how you're perceived by the world before? Mm. You know what? I'm gonna have to ask you a question. Hit me. I don't know what disparity means. 
Disparity means uh, a difference. I wanted to go to answer that. I was like, oh, I don't know what that word is. Disparity <laughs> means like the the difference. So there's a disconnection, pretty much a disconnect between right. how you're perceived by the world. So how you're perceived by the world is this extremely confident person doesn't line up with those internal emotions of being anxious. I mean, this may be a pasture <laughs> at this right. point because I know you're you're trying or you're doing better at this and you no longer care about people's I'm, opinions I'm with you, as much. I'm with you now. But there's a disconnect there. In the past, is that something you noticed in the past? I feel, yeah, I feel like when I was saying about the whole kind of try to be more like reserved in that at the start, there was, I think there was a connection to the way you're being perceived. I feel like on the outside, you were getting, I was getting perceived better the less I kind of cared. Mm. You know what I mean? So like the more I got wrapped up in my own thoughts and the more I got wrapped up in what people were thinking and that, you do get yourself more in a kind of stressful situation and you do act not yourself, you act different. Mm. That's the only connection that I made that I think that the kind of less that you cared on like on like the inside, the less you cared about what people were thinking or how things were coming across, the better you were coming across and the more kind of with like relations and stuff yeah it's a weird uh, I mean? paradox there that the less you actually try the more you're just a human being and the better people react to yeah you. it's a fucking strange yeah, you way yourself. yeah and you have that you have that kind of weight off your shoulders you know, before you're worried about like oh what if what if I come across weird here what if they don't like me here or what if I say something stupid that when you're not when you're not caring it's just like you've you don't bother. I mean, you don't like you, you don't like you. If you say something stupid, you say something stupid. It doesn't play in your mind. You're not think, like overthinking things. You're just kind of going with the flow and just going as it comes. Like, even this, before we came on here, my, when I was saying to you, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I'm nervous. Don't know what I'm going to say. I was like, I'm not very interested. I don't know why you fucking want me on this podcast. See, that's a And wild... then once we got on, then you're, just, you're just letting it flow. And it's, I mean, it's, that's a wild thing for you to say as well. When you're like, are you... You've done that before as well. You're like, oh, I'm not that interesting. You're a fucking very interesting guy. You have fucking weird anecdotes. You're in the fucking Navy. I know you've got all sorts of different pursuits. We played rugby in the past. I know you've got all these little different things that you're interested in. You've tried. And we talk about fucking Lord of the Rings. And like for this guy that goes to the gym and (laughs) smashes out these massive, like what are you benching these days? 117 and a half right guy that goes to gym can bench 117 and a half <laughs> is secretly into Lord of the Rings and is asking me about the Rings of Power series and what we think of oh, it oh like, there's no secret there's no secret mate <laughs> I'm out there you're I like a Game of Thrones like a, Lord of the Rings you're a Clark Kent figure mate you're like a handsome superman that's into fucking <laughs> Well, he said he's microbots, mate, to bring it full full circle here. <laughs> there we go, mate. <laughs> mate, that is. Um, I mean, you've never seen myself and Clark out in the same room, so you never know, mate. Yeah, mate. If I see you flying across the sky, just fucking saving cunts in, in the air and that, I'll know. I'll give is. you a saucy wink. <laughs> a saucy wink from a blonde man in the sky, mate. As a, a fly by. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think we've brought that full circle, mate. So. Um, I'm going to finish it off in a little bit of a different way. So I've been having okay. more of a think about how I want to do the podcast and I think something <coughs> for the future and the very near future, what right. I want to do is as much as possible, 
the people that I bring on the podcast, I myself do something that is related to their lifestyle or their job. So I okay. want to do like a sort of day in the life. And when I'm in Melbourne, I can actually go to these places. I could go to someone that roasts coffee and roast coffee with them for a day. For a day, I could go with someone that runs marathons and go and fucking run a marathon with them. I could go to someone that works in a different job and just learn how to do that, like, and so on and so on and so mm-hmm. on. So from afar, is there anything I can do that would be congruent with what you would do in the Navy? Like, how could I live a day in the life of a, a, a Harry Taggart? Or give me at least one oh. thing that I could I could do, I could practice, whether it's a ritual, right. a habit, anything. That is a tough question. Here, ask the hard ones, mate. Yeah. Fuck. It's a hike. Something that you could do just in a day. In a day, in a few hours, hmm. if it's a fucking habit you have when you wake up in the morning, you fucking crack three eggs and you eat them whole. I don't know anything. What makes, what's different about your day compared to other people's? Oh, do you know what I could? Do you know what I could say to you that this is like recently a major incorporation in my day, Hit me. and it, it makes me so happy and just free. Hit me. Do you own Crocs? I don't, mate. No. Right, you do now. Get out there and get yourself <laughs> a pair of Crocs. I'm not kidding, right? Okay. I mocked. I mocked them at first, and right. then I've tried a pair on, right, and I bought them. Mm-hmm. See, get out of my bed and just getting my Crocs on. <laughs> about me. This is this has changed actually how my day to day life goes. <laughs> I'm not kidding, right? <laughs> they are just so useful. You can you can walk about in them normally. When I'm driving, you put them into sport mode. You put the heel down, and it catches in the back of your heel. You can drive in them, and I feel honestly. It's so freeing because it's not like you're wearing sliders where you feel a bit exposed to the elements. Mm. It's not like trainers because you're you're looser. Yeah. And actually, I think it's, it's genuinely that's so stupid. I guess actually genuinely ups my happiness since I've bought Crocs. It's a game changer, then. I love them, mate. Honestly, I I wear these more than any other footwear that I own now. Right, mate. I'm gonna try. I want you to send me a, a picture of you wear Crocs on, and I. I will. I will acquire a pair of Crocs. I'll try. I'll try. I think so, honestly, game changers. Someone must have a pair. My problem is right. I've got fucking stupid legs, so one is slightly taller than the other. So I've got to wear insoles. So I need to have Crocs that will work with right. the insoles, mate. So mate, they'll work. Don't worry about it. Nah, they'll do everything. I'll stick them in a sports mode, and that'll be good. Yeah, you can run. You can. You can walk. They're just so freeing. Right, and I, I don't know why it's just made me it's made me happier owning Crocs. I just love them. Right, in the meantime, I will do, I'll do the Crocs. But I think see at some point in the future when this podcast blows up, mate, we'll do a proper day in the life. I'll fly out. We'll fucking, we'll get a canoe. Yeah. We'll get a canoe and we'll play Navy warships. We'll unlock loads yes, or mate. something, right? Let's do that. <laughs> Sorted, mate. Cool. I, I think that's what's going to wrap up, mate. Is there anything you want to say? I mean, I think the only people listening to this are close friends of ours. I think my glitch listens, um, Steeps listens, a few other people, my brother and that. Anything you want to say to these cunts or maybe other people listening in the future? 
Um, just thank you for listening to what I have to say. Do you know what I mean? I know it might not be, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, in my opinion, it might not be similar to anyone else's. Just, it's just nice having a perspective of other people's, and if I've given you anything that you are taking away from it, then I'm glad. And if I haven't, then that's fine also. Beautiful, mate. You know? Beautiful.